Not everything metal was created equal. What an ugly thing to say. The Metal Sucks Podcast. Chickity Chuck and Godless attempt to bring order to chaos or just make stupid jokes about dumb people. Stupid. A person below normal intelligence. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Greetings and salutations, my fine metal friends. Welcome to another edition of the Metal Sucks Podcast. How are you doing? I'm Chuck. I'm Godless. And this is your weekly examination of all things metal, the Metal Sucks Podcast. Uh, Make sure you are subscribed to this podcast on iTunes or whatever uh, application that you decide to listen to your podcast on. Find Metal Sucks Podcast by searching those words. That's where you can find it. Metal Sucks Podcast. (laughs) Subscribe. Leave us a couple of stars. Tell us that we suck. And, of course, we post it every Monday at MetalSucks.net, where you can uh, leave all all kinds of great comments you can leave for us, or you can uh, leave us a speak pipe, even uh, do that sort of thing. That would be appreciated. We uh, definitely want to do that. We're going to get to one of those today, actually, because we got a good topic starter for this one. So that's going to be coming up in the show. Also, uh, speaking of good topic starters, uh, Sergeant D... Uh, recently posted an article on Metal Sucks, and it spurred, uh, let's see, a litany of not just comments, but also other Metal Sucks contributors chiming in on it. Which uh, Did you read all those? I did not, but I, I read his original one. It broke the internet. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it was awesome. And so he'd be, I was like, he spurred uh, Max Frank from Gear Gods to chime in on it, and then Rhombus got all pissed off and started doing it. So what we decided to do is get all three of them in a room together and uh, talk shit, which is going to be great. <laughs> so that's coming. I can't up. wait for that, dude. Uh, it's unfortunate you that you weren't. Uh, we, Godless was not able to make the conversation. So uh, I, I, I really am not even in it have, for the most part. <laughs> I just that was my thought. Like, like there's no reason for me there. You got three guys in there. It's, otherwise, it turns into like Fox News where they got like seven people arguing and yeah. nobody can make a point you know and i mean i try I, I throw a couple of things in here and there just to kind of kick it back into in, into the space but for the most part man just let them go at each other and it was like wow all right There's i some, just can't wait to hear all their voices i yeah. want to know what they sound like you know this is great well none of them have a microphone like i do <laughs> not quite this deep but you know it's great we're also going to talk to uh haran from uh, battle cross in this episode as well awesome that dude was cool as shit he was a really nice guy and we got him traipsing across canada and i think he got run over by a bus or something <laughs> i don't know what was happening in the middle of that interview but but yeah we're going to talk to haran talk about the new record uh hear a new song from battle cross called not your slave which is wicked awesome and you maybe, gotta listen to them, yeah. Oh, dude! I mean, I was I, I was happy to see them again because I've seen them about ninety times, or it feels like it anyway. And uh, and still, they they are pretty impressive live. So we're gonna get to chat with him here in a little bit. But I mentioned that we had a speak pipe. Let's let's take that and and get a topic started. Hi, Chuck and Godless. My name is Andy Field, and I'm from Brighton in uh, England. I've been tweeting and Facebooking you for a few weeks now, so I thought it was about time I did a speak pipe because I have an issue. And you are, I think, the only two people on the planet who can sort this out for me. So my issue is this. I listen to a lot of black metal music, but there are some bands that I won't listen to and I won't buy their records. For example, Burzum. So I don't listen to Burzum because I don't want to financially support someone who's a murderer and a Nazi. But then I get into this kind of sticky middle ground where I think, well, yeah, but I do listen to Emperor and their drummer was a murderer and a homophobe. 
so I shouldn't really listen to them. But then I think it's only the drummer, and he didn't write any of the songs, so he's probably not getting much of my money anyway. And then what about Death Spell Omega? They're one of my favourite bands. No one actually knows who's in the band, but the singer, if you believe what's on the internet, is uh, basically has no morals at all. So I probably shouldn't support them, but then, you know, I've already bought the album, so maybe I can listen to them. I'm not sure. And I guess this also ties in with the whole Ronnie the Rapist thing from the other week. You know, once, once you know someone in a band is, has, is morally vacuous, should you support them with your money? So here's my question. Should we care about the moral principles of the members of the bands that we listen to, or should we just care about the music? I don't know. It's one of those things, when, when I think about this topic, uh, you know, because I, I do my radio show, No Control Radio, right? And I, and I, don't, I don't play Burzum. I sort of decline to go there. And it's, it's sort of out of that moral responsibility I feel to the world. So, I mean... I, Oh, it is a tough question for sure. What's so great about <laughs> about uh, uh, what, what's his name? What's the name of the dude there uh, uh, from Burzum? Uh, Varg. Varg. That's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, how do you not know that? What? Yeah, sorry, I thought, I, thought, I thought you were like doing a trick question on me there, man. I was like, <laughs> no, uh, no. <laughs> but, but you know what's so great about Varg is that, like, well, I don't want to listen to him as far as recordings man his blog is interesting i know <laughs> like I anytime know. his his name pops up on uh you know the google uh this is what's going on in yeah, metal today type of thing it's always interesting the, the man is the most interesting man in metal you might not like his you know don't like what he says or or anything like that but it, he's he's bizarre he's bizarre and that is interesting i just wish that there were more bizarre people who i could agree with <laughs> well yeah <laughs> you know that's, what I mean? that's the hard part is that i mean it's one thing to be bizarre it's a whole nother to be racist and and yeah and kind of evil at heart too though i mean i think that's the that's the hard part that's when you sort of go do you want to give that dude your money do you want to support right. that? Because, I mean, the only way we can really support anybody that's in a band or anything is by buying their records, by buying their merch, by buying their stuff. So, I mean, but at the same time, is going to his blog supporting him as well? Or Yeah, see, I don't know. That's a, that's an interesting question, I guess. And here I am, to, you know, sort of plugging how great his blog <laughs> is. But, you know, look, if you're like one of those dumb, uh, uh, you know, guys who just, you know, can't form a rational thought in your head, don't go to his blog because yeah. he's, he's very good you know he he's very good at trying to convince you that what he you know uh, what he believes is correct but it's it's a, it, you know that's the thing is that you know he he has so much charisma and so much um it, it's very tempting you know all, everything that he says so you have to be able to to you know just sort of like a really charismatic preacher don't visit it unless you can see through these really really interesting but subtle but important logic flaws <laughs> you yeah. know what well, I mean? I, and i think part of that has to do you know the other thing is if you're if you are at a point in your life where you can sift through and understand that that the you can separate the music or you can separate the art from the person making the art but i mean really i don't know if that's possible sometimes i mean i think that's sort of the point of art is it not to sort of represent that person's personality and bring it out to the world if that person is a 
is a racist and a homophobe and you know whatever i mean do i want to even consume that art i don't know that i i don't know that i do but see that gets tough then though because you know where do you draw the line are you like are you going to be where you go to the show and then you buy the shirt and then immediately you see that guy behind the merch table who was playing drums now go to the bar and you know buy a a beer with your shirt money and do you go like well screw that i want you guys to eat off of that not well not let that you know go to waste you know or, i mean because it makes me think of okay well not to disparage his name dimebag daryl right okay you got dimebag daryl who has a guitar with a confederate flag on it and that guitar has a confederate flag and that represents certain things to certain people so does that make you go i don't ever want to listen to pantera again because he believes something that he that i am against so i mean it, it can be is it is i had no idea you did that ter- well no dude that's like a that's a thing remember the whole huh. david allen co uh thing that they did together there were confederate flags on the front of that and, and i'm not saying like like he's well, fuck dime bag <laughs> so he's not a, <laughs> but he's not a racist or anything like that it's, oh no 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 he just plays one on tv and, but you know yeah, what i'm saying I mean, it's, on. it's one of those things like you, you and that yeah his life ended years ago so i mean that may have changed over time. And I mean, that's the other thing too, is that some of these guys, it, if they had said racist things in the past, you never know their, their attitudes toward these things may have changed. Do we give them credit for growth and for maneuvering out of that and, and maturing a little bit and changing their attitude? You know, Varg, not so much, but some of the others, maybe they've changed. I thought that, uh, uh, the, you know, the caller made a really good point too, is like, you know, what, uh, what if, you know, if it's, if it's just the drummer, <laughs> you know, that's kind of right. I mean, there is a lot more responsibility on the singer, whether that's right or not, you know, that, the, you know, who, whatever habits the, the singer is into or the, uh, activities, you know, like what was that band last year where the singer got nailed for, uh, um, uh, banging underage fans like from Wales or Scotland or something like that. Oh, and it was like, you know, yeah, like, yeah, I'm glad I don't remember the name, but it's like, yeah, right? I, you know, I remember, you know, as soon as the news hits, the truth of the matter is I pop, I pull up Spotify and I'm like, Hey, I wonder if they're any good, <laughs> you know? And it's just, I know it's the asshole thing to do, but it, so are you, you listening know? to all of Ronnie Racky's stuff, you know, last week? I mean, were you, were you going through that catalog? I I did listen to a handful of tracks. So. <laughs> oh, see, that's a, I, we're supporting them in a way. I mean, I, that, and that's you know, that's the thing is like, well, I don't know. He was only accused, right? Well, you know, yeah, only accused at this point. So <laughs> allegedly, uh, so I mean, allegedly, oh, it, it's a it's a pretty tough question whether or not you you know where you go with that sort of thing and what you're willing to to to, to put it toward. I mean. Is it worse? Because I've always said that, you know, it's the the racist that, you know, is actually the good racist because we know he's a racist. You look at that guy and he talks, he drops the end bomb. He he flies a Confederate flag. We know that dude. Uh, The ones that are the scary (laughs) ones. The state of South Carolina, when a white guy (laughs) kills nine black people, they take their Confederate flag and they fly it at half mast. That's such an asshole thing to do. I love it. uh, It was awful. I mean, that's just been awful. But but I mean, (laughs) the the ones that you got to watch out for, the ones that you don't know. South Carolina is the Varg Vokerns. (laughs) 
of <laughs> independent states, you know? Uh, he's he's going to get out of France and come over here. <laughs> Great. But what I'm saying is, is that the, it's the ones that you don't know. It's the ones that you, like, you wouldn't know the drummer is a racist. Why? Because he, he doesn't ever say anything. He might nudge you in the, you know, backstage. It's the ones that you don't know are those guys. Are those, and I'm sure there's a bunch of those people out there, right? Well, Malevolent Liquoration take a lot of shit for saying stupid stuff on their social networks, right? Uh, Isn't it, yeah. Aren't they the ones who, you know, they're always doing the racist stuff and all that sort of thing? Is it them? I thought it was. I can't remember. Well, fortunately, <laughs> I wasn't a big Malevolent Creation fan anyway. But, you know, it's it you know makes me kind of go, well, wait a minute. I, why am I not holding Dimebag to the same standard? I mean, you you can take it that far, you know. I mean, it's... It's definitely something that, that that's worth questioning. So, I mean, do, are we willing to support it? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. A good riff will forgive a lot. <laughs> Damn, that dude can play a solo. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, okay, fine. Uh, all right. He changed it out for a lightning bolt guitar. That's okay. We're okay now. All right. It's a little bit better <laughs> so now. Battle Cross, the first single is Not Your Slave, and the second <laughs> single is But This Other One Is. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, no, 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 uh, no. That would be bad. That would that, be bad. That would be very bad. Uh, so Speaking of which, let's get into our interview with uh, with with Haran from uh, Battlecross, dude. Uh, they were traipsing across Canada on their tour with uh, Crowbar and had a chance to uh, chat with us. And we tried not to get him run over at a truck stop on the Metal Sucks podcast. Hey, how's it going? Is it Chuck? Yeah, this is Chuck, man. How's it going? Good, man. How you doing? I'm doing well. Is this Haran? Haran, this is Gallus. How are you? Hey, what's going on, buddy? We're, 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 I mean, this is the sort of inevitable question with, that anybody should start a conversation with you, but where in the world are you? <laughs> where, where am I? <laughs> I'm in Canada right now, driving somewhere in Canada. We're headed towards <laughs> Winnipeg. We, uh, we came from... Uh, uh, well, we had an off day yesterday, so we were just kind of hanging out somewhere, someplace called Yorkton. But uh, yeah, I don't know, just driving across Canada, and uh, yeah, <laughs> it's been cool though. It's been the show's been awesome. Did you survive the wasp attack? <laughs> yeah, I, I did. It was it was a draw. <laughs> it was definitely a draw. The thing got away, and I I was un, unscathed. And same with the wasp. I couldn't help but think like a like a stage mom. It's like don't do that while you're driving. You're gonna get somebody's <laughs> gonna get hurt. Exactly. Well, it's funny because Tony eventually just pulled over. It was just, it was uh it was pretty funny. What what is an <laughs> At the off time, day? I'm scared shitless. Like oh, the video is great. Uh, you were squealing like a girl. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is an yeah. off What is an off day like? For you guys, do you guys get like depressed, or are you guys more like um uh you know go, let's go out and and see the the hole in the ground somewhere that's the tourist trap thing? Um, well, it depends on where we're at. Um, I mean, I personally, I, I like to have you know, I prefer to just keep playing shows. Like, I I don't like off day just because it's just like we usually just kind of sit around somewhere and spend money and all that stuff. So, but like yesterday, we actually like. We're coordinating with the crowbar guys. Like, oh, where are you guys staying at? Whatever. So, 
kind of worked it out to where we kind of stayed together and just, like, hung out and stuff like that. So we can do stuff like that. It's cool. Um, as far as, like, exploring, it just depends on what's around or, like, we're, you know, where we know we're going to be at uh, for, like, a certain place. But, I mean, we're in the middle of Canada. Like, I don't know what, 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 there's, what cool stuff there is to go see in Yorkton. So. I don't think they have the world's largest ball of twine in Canada. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's- that place is huge, and there's, like, nothing and nobody in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, that, well, like, the drive from Vancouver to uh, Calgary was actually really beautiful. Like, there's beautiful mountains, and just, like, we stopped off somewhere and just kind of, like, scoped out the landscape. But other than that, you know, it's just like, yeah, I mean, there's really not much, at least that I know of. Yeah, this time of year, at least it's better, because you're not, like, trying yeah. to do it through the snow and shit. Exactly. Yeah, we did that uh, with the On the Inflames tour in February uh, two years ago, and that was just the worst. I mean, just the scariest drives through those mountains. Just fucking asshole tight, just fucking white knuckling down the fucking mountains. It, that sucked. <laughs> That's what I was telling Chuck earlier. Like, like your booking agent must like totally love you guys because you never say no. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, for us, it's like, you know, we don't want to pass up on opportunities. That's the way we kind of look at it. It's like, you know, start, especially starting out when we started out touring, really, we took anything. You know, it's just like, we got to get out there and play. And we're just one of those bands. It's just like, it just doesn't stop for us. We have to get out there and let people know who we are. So we generally, yeah, it's just. Yeah, there was a tour offer, and uh, let's do it. <laughs> well, it's it's done well for you, though, man. I mean, I, could, I swear I've seen you guys, like, at least six or seven times. I think everybody <laughs> has seen you guys six or seven yeah. times. <laughs> I'm surprised no one's sick of us yet. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's sick of you guys yet. Because well, you guys keep on getting better. <laughs> Thanks, man. I mean, I mean, it's just, Chuck and I were talking about this the other day, just like every time you guys come came to town, it would be like, geez, I wonder how much better they are than last time. And, and last time they rocked, you know, so it was great. Yeah, it's awesome, man. We appreciate that. I mean, that's the whole thing is like, it's very important. The live show is extremely important. And, uh, you know, not only playing tight, but putting on a good show and making sure that anyone that comes out to the show is going to like, you know, want to keep coming back. I mean, that's the whole point, you know, of, getting people to you know support your music you know it's not just going up there and just you know even even if it's in in front of like 20 people or 10 people versus thousands of people you still have to go out there and like give it your all because i mean those those people that came out whether it's a few people that they still came to see a show you know what i mean so you can't let up you can't let up for them I hate to admit my my age and how long I've been around, you know, watching bands and all this stuff, but it's a, it's a, it is actually pretty refreshing to see a band who's been gigging for a relatively short period of time and the and how it, how you guys have really grown on stage just musically and are able to be tighter and 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 actually see that progression as it happens like with every tour I've caught you guys on. Thanks, man. Uh, you know, we definitely take cues and just like learn, learn from you know our experiences and other musicians, and you know it, it's just it's that important to us to to stay tight, and that, you know that's why you know every drummer we have, it's like you know play to a click and just make sure it's tight, and uh, you know, and not only just us being prepared to go up there and play the songs tight and get into it, you know, and um, you know especially like now that we're playing a couple of new tunes, it's like you kind of have to 
play that tight, but then you're kind of figuring out what you're going to do live, like yeah. what you're going to do on stage and all that stuff. So it's like, that's kind of like a new process of doing that each time we're playing new songs, you know? So, but, uh, I mean, number, you know, like I said, the number one thing for us is just making sure that we're tight on stage and, and the music is tight. And then the show, you know, putting on the show. So, uh, why, why do you hate drummers? <laughs> yeah, Dude, I love the way you put it. Like all our all our drummers that got to do this. <laughs> I was gonna. I was actually thinking. I'm like, well, let's have a little quiz and see if you can name all the drummers that have been in Battle Cross. No, no, not all of them. Just name seven of them. That that that's all. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah. It's so funny. People are like, how come you guys just go through drums? Like, and we're not purposely like trying to just like take a bunch of drummers ah oh, you know see you later it's like you know we're trying to find the right people and and sometimes it's live you know, stuff going on with them that they can't keep going on or whatever so it's just you know it's sometimes an uphill uphill battle trying to find people that like not only can play the material and tour it's just and also that just fit in with what you're doing and uh you know we have alex bet now who is just fucking awesome he's on point and he's totally down you know he's he's on board with everything you know that we're doing so we feel like you know this is the hopefully this is the, it stays this way so yeah. you never know so you're saying you kevin know? so you're saying kevin tally couldn't play uh battlecross stuff huh no no he could play it. <laughs> i mean he could he, play he was it, just a jerk off <laughs> <laughs> well if you've ever hung out with kevin tally uh post show uh getting hammered uh, yeah, it's not it's not fun to have a guy like that in the band. I mean, just, so he's just an saying. angry drunk. Is he an angry no, drunk, just, or is he the sloppy no, no. kissing drunk? He is a sloppy like get wild kind of drummer, dude. So I mean, he's, he's a good dude. It's just yeah, yeah. I we couldn't handle his uh, craziness. <laughs> I've got this. I've got this theory so about the drunk. You know, he's, 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 yeah. he's a good dude. It's just yeah, it's too much for us. He's the only drummer you've ever had that you you still like. <laughs> no, dude, Shannon, Adam, both those guys are fucking great, man. You know, okay. Shannon uh Shannon was kind of wanted to go on a different path. So, we'll just assume that the guys you don't name are assholes or you can't remember they ever existed. <laughs> I can name all of them right now. And <laughs> okay, then the rest of them are assholes. All right, good. Let me know. <laughs> oh man, I have this theory about drummers about how like they'll like um, you know when they're playing, their left hand's doing one thing, their right arm's doing another thing, their feet are doing different shit, but that's yeah. how their brains work. Like they can compartmentalize, Absolutely. and so they, you never know which part of the brain you're talking to. Dude, it's true. The, the drummers, I think, are always a little off in their in their own world. It's uh, so you you gotta. Um, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. You gotta figure out what which part of the brain I guess you're talking to that day. <laughs> <laughs> you're a graduate of Salem High School, the the Rocks, yeah. and and I am a graduate of Plymouth Canton High School, the Chiefs. So oh, no shit. I, so, like, I think I, we've got a little rivalry here that uh, probably we needs to, to, to get sorted out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something's got to go do, down do you next, still time, live, man. next time I see you. Do, no. <laughs> do, you, do you still live in Canton when you're not touring? Yeah, yeah, I still live in Canton. Uh, yeah, I'm still in that area. Wow. See, when I was yeah. in high school, it was like all the time was spent either in Wasteland, Michigan, or with the <laughs> Northville Mosh Squad. That was our my two. Oh no! 
but but never hung out with too many people in Canton. But that's where I live. No. I spent all yeah, my time. What year, what year did you graduate? Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I used to spend all my time at the the WSDP, the school high school radio station. Oh, okay, cool. And and do yeah. the Friday metal show. Yeah. That's awesome. So, it's been a long time, but yeah, I mean, dude, there was nothing going on as far as metal was concerned for the longest time. I mean, there were attempts. I mean, um, uh, you know, nowadays you guys have got uh, oh, um, uh, uh, shit. Um, you got like a handful of bands coming from the area. And who am I blanking on, Chuck? Uh, uh, they just announced their new albums coming out from Water Black- uh, Waterford. Oh, Black Dahlia. Yeah, Black Dahlia Murder, right? And and yeah, Black you know. Murder. Yeah, there's tons. Of, I, you know, there's a lot of metal bands that, are, that to me, they're they're coming out of there. And uh, there's there's some uh, trying to think. There's there's really good bands that are from there. Some of them just don't always are not really like taking off. It's like there's good bands. It's just a lot of the guys that are in those bands have, like, lives that they can't tour and things like that. So it's like, it's all these awesome bands that are just not able to go and do stuff. But there are bands that are trying to get there, too. So, but there, there's a lot of good bands in that scene. There's a band, a doom band called Beast in, Beast in the Field that's from, uh, that's from that area, and they're, like, a fucking heavy doom band. Um, there's a band, Wolfhook, that just, like... They're uh, independently releasing uh, an album, so there's there's so many good bands from there. Like, it's just trying to, and it's like I try to do my part. I'm like, hey man, like I'm gonna fucking push your shit, but you gotta like, you guys gotta be ready to like go out there and like do shit, you know, go out yeah. there and tour and show that you're gonna be a working band if I'm gonna like push it, you know what I mean? So I try to do my part, and it's just kind of like up to them to kind of take the other half of like, all right, like let's follow up and let's put in some work, you know. Well, it's like you and Tony spent what, like seven years sitting together jerking off before you guys were yeah. able to like get a lineup together. That, that dude, totally and... jerking off, man. <laughs> like basement jack off sessions, nonstop. No, <laughs> no, like yeah. I mean, we spent a lot of time in that area, you know, just playing local shows and just trying to network with fucking people and 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 get out there and and just build you know, who we are locally and then just trying to keep expanding, you know? And, uh, we definitely, definitely did put in a lot of work into this. And, and that's why I think it's cool to see like the support from our scene because like people are just like, man, you guys are just going hard for so long. And it's like cool to see like the hard work you guys put in finally like pay off. So when you're playing like Orion festival with Metallica, I mean, you guys got bragging rights, like crazy. <laughs> Yeah, that was insane, man. Uh, I mean, not only just, like, playing the festival, but we got to be a part of, like, the uh, press conference that Metallica was doing. Um, Like, it was, like, Metallica and then, like, local, like, Michigan businesses and then us. Like, what the fuck? Like, us, out of all these bands that were playing, like, we're on this press conference, so we're just sitting up there. And, yeah, that was insane, man. I mean, that whole weekend was just probably, like, the best one of the best moments in my life so i could die tomorrow and be like hey i fucking did that you know <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> so what was the, like the what was the moment for you guys like was there a thing where suddenly it's like we are signed let's go boom was there like an actual point where that that happened because it seemed like everything was quick and you're about to get run over by yeah. a dump truck so be careful <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it. It felt like that. You know, it, it does kind of seem like that. But at the same time, it was like it was like a whole. It felt like a whole year process because it was um, kind of talking, going back and forth with the label. We finally made a contact. Like I had reached out to Kelly, and uh, I was talking to her, kind of back and forth, and. And it was still kind of like, okay, well, let's see what you guys are doing. You know, we need to we need to see you know more activity out of you guys and like playing some shows and getting out there. So we were trying to do that and trying to branch out. And and then we met uh, Shannon from Black Dolly Murder, and and uh, he I actually like you know gave him like a demo of the of the album that we had recorded previously. And uh, yeah, he really dug it, and so he kind of went to Metal Blade and like vouched for us. So it was like, hey. Like, I know these guys are awesome, and, like, you know, you guys got to get on it and, like, sign these guys. So he really, like, was, like, that other piece that, like, really helped us kind of get things moving, you know. So finally that was, like, you know, contract in our hands, signing it, and then, you know, album comes out, and then we're just trying to find touring. And, and like I said, in the beginning it was, like, it was hard for us to find, like, tours. Like, you know, not a lot of bands or, or you know, no one knew who we were, so it was, like, well, we don't know who these guys are, and, you know, it, it really, tour offers weren't just being thrown at us, you know what I mean? So we were trying to just find anything we could do, and at our first tour was the, it was the Full-Blown Chaos and, like, Rose Funeral and Diamond Play tour, and actually, Full-Blown Chaos, like, dropped off the tour, like, like, the day of, like, we showed up the first day of the tour, and we found out they dropped off. So it was, like, all this craziness happening, you know, and we're just, like, doing that tour and then like when that go horror and Haiti eternal tour happened in Fallujah, like rolled their van and like cerebral bore couldn't get in the country. Like we got added last minute and was like, like seriously, like we found out the day before, Hey, you guys uh, got this tour offer to go with go horror. Uh, you need to be in like Kansas city, Missouri, like by tomorrow. And we're like, uh, okay, yeah, we'll do it. You know, like we're calling our jobs, like telling them we're not coming into work tomorrow. And like, fuck, we're going on tour, you know? So we were just, jumping at every opportunity and taking whatever we could get to, uh, you know, to get out there. And, and from that, you know, and also doing Sirius XM, you know, Jose, like building us up on, on, on there, that all just led to all these other things that started, you know, kind of giving us momentum and doing the Trespass America tour with Five Finger. And then, you know, then we did go and do the second album. And then it's like, we, well, we do In Flames, we do a second album, we do Orion, we do Mayhem. So, dude, it's just been crazy. You know, it must have been such a hard, such a hard job to find the team of guys around you that will be able to drop everything and do it, and that have the same dream and drive that you do. Yeah, it is. It definitely is. It's you know you. It's like you get these people in the room and you're you're jamming. You're trying to find these great musicians, and, and some guys either have things going on in their lives. They're not willing to make the sacrifices and the hard work. And it's like, you know, at that point, I mean, it it gets tough because like you kind of grow attached to these people and they become like really close. But then like when you kind of start moving to the next step and they can't move forward with you, it's like, well, you know, what are we gonna do? You know, it's like we can't just hold our hold back what we're doing here for you. You know what I mean? And it kind of becomes like, you know, everyone has to be on board. Everyone has to be willing to make the same sacrifice as we are. And and I think it's just the more and more time went on, we were more just kind of like less dealing with bullshit and just kind of being more straight up with people. Like, this is how it is and this is how it's going to go. And if you're on board, then cool. If not, then sorry, you know. And um, from that kind of mentality and just also being as hardworking as we are, like, 
we, you know, I, everyone kind of, I think, sees uh, a really sees a lot in what we're doing and, and kind of we all believe in what we're doing here. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we're not expecting to be like huge, rich rock stars living off of music. You know what I mean? But we, we definitely see uh, a positive uh, outcome with this and seeing a goal to where we can make a living from music and doing this for a living and that's our drive is to get reach that certain success where we can be that band you know we definitely see that goal do you feel like you're getting there i mean like i mean does it feel like you're you're keep progressing i mean because that's a that that seems to be the hard part for a lot of people is when they get to a point and it feels like it stalls do you feel like you're still moving in that in the right direction i i do i do there's definitely moments there's hurdles that you kind of like you know that hit you and you're like fuck man like you know, I, I just hope, you know, I hope. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it, it gets difficult, but, you know, regardless, it's like we, we definitely, you know, over those hurdles, it's like I, I see the overall growth of the band and what we're doing, and it's, it's awesome. So, I mean, like I said, we, we believe in what we're doing, and, and it's not, we're not going to, like, just stop just because of one little hurdle or things that get in the way well i just see it from like first time seeing you where the only people who saw you were the ones who showed up early enough and then by the time uh, the last time i saw it there's like there's battle cross t-shirts in the audience before you guys set up the merch table you know and that that's huge well you know and also also, the thing that with us is that we we're very personable man and we get out there with our fans and are very one-on-one with them so i think that that helps that's really helped with our growth is because people not only like the band and, you know, love what we do on stage, but like we're very personal and one-on-one with people where they feel like this connection with us, you know what I mean? So I think that has kind of really kept a very solid, loyal fan base. Well, and touring with somebody like Crowbar, who does exactly that, you know, like, it, yeah, because, I mean, you know, Kirk is out there working his own table. You know, he's talking to everybody in the crowd. He's taking pictures. I mean, that's a, you know, that that's the perfect example. I mean, I caught you guys when you were in Austin. Everybody, all all you guys are out there just, just bullshitting with everybody. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, dude. I mean, that's the way to do it. It's like, you know, people are coming out there and spending money and, and coming to the shows. And, and to me, the least you can do is go out there and say thanks. You know what I mean? And I, that's why I can never understand how some bands just live in the back room or on a bus and just not want to be one-on-one with their fans, you know? Plus, I, I would me, figure that at least one person out of 20 is actually nice to talk to. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's definitely, you know, it's it's cool to meet these fans. And it, seriously, like, it's crazy the uh, the hospitality you get from people. And, uh, you know, when, when you're one-on-one with them, the things that they are willing to do to help you out and it's it's awesome you know i mean you meet really good people on the road that are just like thankful for what you do and they want to show their thanks by you know supporting you and supporting the bands and whether that's opening up their home for a place to stay or hooking you up with some beer or whatever you know it's like they they appreciate you know what you're doing for them and so you know it's like it's like a mutual thing you know you have this connection with your fan base where they're they're going to do everything they can to support you, and and likewise, you're going to do everything you can to support them, and and make sure you're, you know, you're playing the show, and you don't cancel shows, and whatever, you know, what I mean, like, 
doing whatever it takes to get there and play the gig. Yeah, I think it's time. I think I think it's time for velvet ropes and VIP tickets, man. I think you need to, <laughs> you know, ste- step it up, dude. Let's. Uh, you yeah, know. Chuck right. doesn't like the butcher babies. Like <laughs> <laughs> Is that how it went down? Oh, you know. In a, in a meet and greet. Oh, you know. I don't know what you're talking. Uh. About. <laughs> No, I mean there there is that that idea that that if you if you put on the airs, then people are going to treat you differently as well. If you put yourself on a pedestal, then everybody else will think it's that way too. And I, I see both sides of it. And for me, one works and the other doesn't. And I like your method better. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, well, it just it's also just who we are, man. Like we're we're metal fans, just like everybody else, man. We're just regular metal dudes that are playing in a band and and then that's how i think we just start i don't know it's like i i feel like i have to be in there talking to people it just kind of puts my mind in the right mood of being at a show and you know just meeting people and i don't know it's just it's just i can't imagine just being locked up in the back it's like it's already boring being stuck in a van just driving aimlessly you know what i mean just driving along and sometimes just seeing nothing you know it's like why would i want to just be alone again just in doing nothing in the background you know what i mean like to me i want to get out there and be active in what's going on and seeing other bands and whatever you know it's just kind of like to me the part of the culture of it you know you're not just a band getting up there on stage playing a gig and that's it it's like you're being part of the experience of at being at a show well part of it is being sad and lonely it helps me write songs <laughs> sometimes <laughs> that's just gumby <laughs> i write better lyrics that way yeah you know you gotta, you gotta just get locked up in my room just feel sad and depressed because i'm on the road <laughs> run, uh in canton they they at least used to have uh like a huge chaldean uh community the the uh mm-hmm. is that is that your heritage what is your heritage no it's uh, uh my background is from uh sri lanka my sri parents lanka. are from okay. sri lanka yeah gotcha. yeah they uh they were born there and then actually i was born in england so my oh. me and my siblings were all born there and then we moved to my dad's had a job offer out uh basically in michigan lived here ever, lived there ever since so i grew up pretty much in michigan but i was born elsewhere was he a Ford guy or a, a GM guy? Um, actually, with cars, we we were it was. Uh, uh, no, Dodge. I figured. I figured if somebody brought him into work, it was probably one of those two companies. Oh no, no, no! Like it was like some like computer like I forgot what it was, it was called Unisys. It was some company that was over in, in London, and they started. They got a, opened a factory in Michigan, and they were like building something with the ATMs or something like that. I can't remember what it was, huh. but. Uh, uh, I yeah, got, I got I got so. this cookbook, and one of the recipes is like the most awesome thing in the world. It's called Sri Lankan satays. It's these chicken, really, uh, uh, chicken with coconut milk and marinade, and the whole thing. Do your parents cook? Usually for like certain occasions, they will. Like it'll be funny because like Thanksgiving will be like turkey, mashed potatoes, but then it'll be like some sort of like dish, you know, from Sri Lanka, and they and they use um. There's a thing called like it's almost it's called like milk rice, and it's it's like. The rice is like a lot thicker, and actually, you, like sometimes I'll eat it with syrup. <laughs> it's weird, but uh, no, that's like one of like my favorite dishes. And they also make these—they boil cashews and put like curry sauce on them. That's like one of my favorite things. 
It's so good. Oh, oh my God. Now I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah. So, so what, do, what do they think about the fact that you took on the like most difficult dream that, that you know anybody could choose, and you're now succeeding at it? They were definitely um, a little reluctant, just kind of like worried, you know, because like, like, you know, you really need to, you know, make sure you have a solid job and this and that, and they just were, you know. That's that whole thing, you know, get an education, get a good job, you know, that, that whole mentality. And I went, to, I went to school, I went to college and all that, I got my degree. And, but, you know, music is what I wanted to do. And, and so when things were kind of picking up more, like, you know, I had, I had a pretty, I had a decent job, which they were happy about, you know. But then, like, when I started talking to them about, like, yeah, I'm going to go on tour, and, which means I might have to quit my job and things like that, they got, like, really worried and scared because they're like, you know, you don't want to lose it. You don't want to lose that job security and this and that. And I said, I, I was, I told him straight up. I was like, I don't care. Like I, this is an opportunity I have to take and I'm going to do it. And if I fail at it, at least I put my effort into it, you know? And that was my yeah. mentality. It was like, I, I have to give it a shot, you know? And, you know, they definitely were supportive and they still are supportive. And, and it's, they're very proud of like what I've accomplished so far. And, you know, they still worry, you know, cause it's like, I leave my job and things like that. And, you know, it's still, it's not definitely still not paying the bills yet, but, but I'm doing it and they see the success of it through the fan base and the places we've get to travel, you know. I would figure that if you're doing a press conference with Lars Ulrich and it's not to apologize to him for stealing all the Metallica albums on Napster, <laughs> your parents ought to be pretty excited about that, you know? They're just kind of, ob they're oblivious to Oh, so that's, oh, oh well, <laughs> that's that's got to suck. <laughs> I mean, that's about it, you know. So, oh, say 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 that again. Sorry. Uh, so, you know, it's like a big deal. Like they're a big band, you know. So when I went, when they knew I was opening for Metallica, it was like a big deal. You know what I mean? But in general, they're not like completely connected to the metal world. So yeah. my mom is still like. Tells me not to headbang on stage and stuff like that. I shouldn't do that. <laughs> read, pretty funny. Read an article on BuzzFeed about headbanging and how it can damage your brain. We don't want to, you know. Don't forward that along. <clears throat> yeah, we don't want to, none of that stuff. What do you have a what, what do you have a degree in? It's uh, economics. It's a bachelor in science, but yeah, it's uh, economics. I mastered or my major was economics, and I had a minor in entrepreneurship. Well, you got a total fallback plan. Oh, dude, fallback plan. The guy's in charge of the merch booth, man. No shit, right? <laughs> so are you a yeah, macroeconomic guy or a microeconomic guy? Because there's a big difference. Oh. oh, no, no, no. Wait, wait, Haran, say it again because we, we're, yeah, we're losing you. It's we're cutting out. Sorry. Bit. Oh, fuck Canada. <laughs> and Canada eats another one. <laughs> oh, no. Are you still Hello? here? Uh, hey. Oh. Yes. Ah, right, stop. Stop. Oh, okay. stop moving. Stop uh. moving. <laughs> <laughs> we're traveling right now. Yeah, so. no, it's all. Yeah, uh. so we're, we're going to have to cut it here quick because I think you're getting in a spot where no human is actually alive. So <laughs> macro or macro or micro? Uh, I honestly, I, I don't really know. <laughs> oh, no way. So, because I wanted uh, to find out, like, at what point should I be, like, moving my U.S. dollars into euro? Should I, like, wait until this dead cat bounce completes 
or with the Fed in raising interest rates, will that mean that my U.S. dollar will increase in value and therefore I should wait a little bit and therefore bring – But and then how does the Greek cr- crisis and their default then play into that on the euro side? Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. You just got heavy on me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, what? <laughs> Don't you have to have dollars first? That's the, that's the. Uh, this, dude, this is why I'm playing w- in a band and not doing uh, economic <laughs> planning, okay? All I got to say is my, anything. my Wayne State University degree is in English. <laughs> <laughs> really? Uh, so while you're in Canada, have you called the three inches of blood guys yet to ask them what the fuck? I, I, well, I reached out to uh, Cam. To see if he'd come up to the show, and uh, he never responded or anything. But no, I mean, I haven't talked to any of the guys. It's a bummer. Well, it's cool that you tried. For sure. I mean, we toured with them with Death Angel, and they're awesome dudes. And it's yeah. a bummer to see him go. When we talked to um, Dave Brocky like a year and a half ago, uh, uh, two mm-hmm. years ago, uh, see, he was talking about how like he was in love still with metal blade and felt like they were just, you know, so critical to, to what it is. And he was like, man, if you're on metal blade, you should stay on metal blade because they're good people. And I, I imagine that it makes a difference when, you know, you can threaten metal blade with world domination if they don't do what you say, but has your relationship <laughs> with metal blade been good? Do they, are they working their asses off for you? Yeah, they're definitely, um, they've definitely been pushing us, and they've definitely opened a lot of doors for us that we would have never had, you know, if we weren't signed to them. So, you know, we're very appreciative of them, and they gave us an opportunity, you know, to do this. You know, without them, who knows where we would have been, you know. So we're, we're, we're thankful, man, that, you know, Metal Blade gave us a chance to, you know, put out an album and, and basically have their name backing us up to say, hey, you know, disband on Metal Blade and take, you know, these guys are something you need to listen. So having that, having that behind us really helped to kind of push our, it kind of legitimizes what you do. You know, like a lot of people say, oh, you don't need to lay out this and that. It's like, yeah, I mean, you can do why, but I mean, when you're a new band, no one knows who you are. To me, it's a lot harder to kind of break into is that you need a label backing you, you know? So, you know, Metal Blade has the long envy of doing it for so many years, and, and they have an awesome roster of bands, you know. And uh, to me, that speaks volumes. You know, there's a lot of labels that go under that one point had certain bands, and now they're no longer there. And, you know, Metal Blade's been keep going strong, and they've, they're they not the kind of label that'll try and, like, change who you are, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, and say, oh, you have to do it this way. And they, they definitely believe in, in, you know, the bands and the music. And, you know, they definitely have a, you know, they'll throw their input on music and stuff like that. And generally, you know, in general, it's like they, they trust the bands to, to put out the music that, that that's them. Yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely stoked uh, to be part of Metal Blade. Well, all right, dude, we're, we're going to let you go because uh, this phone is getting sketchy out there in the middle yeah. of nowhere. So, uh... Yeah, I'm starting to, <laughs> to see flying saucers, so uh, I think we better uh, get out of here. Well, dude, be safe. <laughs> Good luck and uh, and new record is uh, at least a single so far is badass. So thanks, man. Thank uh, you. Rise to power is uh, the new record and it's uh, it's gonna kick ass for you guys in August. All right, thanks, guys. Later, man. Bye, bye.
today.
New Jungle Rod on the Metal Sucks podcast. Paralyzed Prey is the name of the song from their uh, latest record, Order Shall Prevail. That's pretty good stuff right there. Death Metal. That's a great freaking riff. Death great metal. death metal riff. It reminds me of something, dude. I can't. I still can't put my finger on exactly what it is. But I, I, uh, Yeah, it reminds me of great freaking death metal. <laughs> but no, it's something, something I've heard before. It's eating in my brain. Like it's, I'm, I'm trying to remember what it is, and I just can't. I, I can't oh, yeah, figure yeah, it out. Yeah, yeah. Great death metal. <sighs> Jungle rot, man. A pretty good band, dude. They're a good live band. Great live band. Great live band. You just got to, when they come to town, go check them out for sure. And they and they are one of those that tour quite a bit. They're like around a lot. So, yeah, you'll get a chance to see them at some point here very soon, man. Oh, yeah. Now, um, coming up uh, right now, we got to get into this uh, a little argument that got started by uh, Sergeant D. Uh, on metal sucks uh, hopefully you saw the post that that we're going to be referencing because it's about um basically should bands write good songs or is it all about musicianship these days like uh, uh being a master of your instrument uh which is more important to metalheads and it spurred all kinds of discussion on not only in the comment section which you know sergeant d tends to uh tends to do but also uh throughout the metal sucks contributors as well so we've got a little segment to, to put it all together and i figured i'd go ahead and kick it off with this song that you talked about Couple weeks ago on Metal Sucks, you might have seen a post from my favorite uh, internet troll, Sergeant D, about which was more important, writing good songs or being really good at your instrument. And that seemed to inspire quite a discussion, uh, of course, on Metal Sucks, but not just on the uh, comments, but also within the ranks of, uh, of the Metal Sucks people the contributors as well so we decided to bring on the program uh the three people who have responded to this first of course sergeant d welcome welcome before we get started i wanted to correct two things well i wanted to correct one thing you said and and mention another first of all is that uh i'm not a troll uh everything (laughs) i write on metal sucks is my actual opinion Mm. uh second i wanted to remind everybody of my absolute favorite moment on the metal sucks podcast when you guys didn't know that Paul Masvidal was gay and oh. kept asking about hot chicks and he kept kind of <laughs> trying to gently sort of tell you guys like, uh, actually, guys, it's not really my thing. And you, you guys didn't pick up on uh, all the obvious hints and uh, uh, it made me squirm in my chair listening yeah, to it. Uh, so thank, thank you very much for that. Now let's move on. Uh, but our ba- a really terrible gaydar. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> This is things we just don't pick up on sometimes. Now we think everybody's gay, so. <laughs> well, it's, gotta, it's just got to, the pendulum swings from one end to the other. Right. Now, you're, the response was uh, from a senior editor over at Gear Gods, Max Frank. You are also on the program this week. Hey, guys. How's it going? Uh, I'm a huge fan of uh, the Metal Sucks podcast, and in particular, that Paul Masvidal episode is like, that's some primo content, so. Keep it's it right up. up there with Andy Beersack's Golden Gods outburst. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. And then our final contributor this week is Emperor Rhombus. Welcome. Hey, how's it going, man? It's uh, it's good to be on here. And and let me just say that now that we're assuming everyone's gay, I'm really hoping there's like a Metal Sucks podcast with like Vinnie Paul. Oh, man. Here, where you guys are just like, so do you ever get like 
free stub dudes backstage, you know, like <laughs> show off their amazing pectorals and have him be like, I'm I'm not really the expert on that. Oh, come on. Monday night over at the over at the strip club is totally women's night, man. Let's do it. A Pantera themed ladies night is, is maybe the most <laughs> terrifying concept I can imagine. Oh, my God. Imagine what those women would look like. Vinnie Paul. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, dyed black hair and a cowboy hat. Fun, fun. Oh, it's Dude, great for don't everybody. Don't forget the stripes and the sideburns. Man. Damn That's straight, really man. What, what makes a, a woman a Pantera woman, you know? So let's kick this off with the uh, with the with the big argument that started the uh, started the back and forth, uh, Sergeant D, dude. Which is more important, writing good songs or being really good at your instrument? Well, like I said in the article, it's really a false dichotomy uh, in real music, which is to say every genre other than metal. So essentially, you know, pop, hip hop, stuff that you know normal people listen to that's actually popular. Um, it's clearly all that matters is a great song and great great performance a great performance of a great song and, and uh you know kind of a footnote to that is that real music doesn't even use acoustic instruments so your ability to play one is not relevant um now in the case of metal um the so-called metal musicians have kind of painted themselves into a little bit of a corner because they don't have the same tools to work with that you do in real music so you don't have uh melody dynamic harmony, arrangement, stuff like that uh, to work with. So, you know, you, you kind of have no choice but to resort to, to flashy parlor tricks like sweet picking and blast beats and stuff like that in order to, you know, make the most of, of what you can with your terrible so-called music. So that's kind of where I stand on it is that, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a trick question. And what I, what I hope to illustrate with that article is that uh, really the, the things that make a great song, uh, you know, transcend any genre boundaries. Um, and, you know, a great example of that is like all the punk goes pop comps where, yeah. you know, the metalcore bands cover top 40 songs. Those are great. Uh, they sell like crazy. Any any metal or metalcore band that ever covers a top 40 song, that's always their most popular song. The reason why is because it's a good song, unlike the rest of their actual songs. Um, so uh, I would say that songwriting is the real key here. Um, but especially in a lot of forms of extreme metal, the aesthetic confines of the genre are such that it's kind of impossible to write a good song. Now, would you say that there's that there are good metal songs in that respect that are that fit the pop format at all? Yeah, there's tons of great metal songs. Uh, I, you know, I'm a little bit out of touch with with what's going on these days, so I'm going to name a bunch of older songs. By no means do I, do I want that to come across as me saying that. Uh, you know, oh, the old bands wrote song, good songs and the new ones don't because uh, I, I don't think that's the case. I, I bet that some of your other people, some of the other people on this podcast could probably tell me some examples of new stuff that's good. But uh, I mean, even with pretty extreme stuff, like I think Hammer Smashed Face is a great song for the same reasons that Poker Face is a great song. It has, you know, really one main idea. Yeah with a couple really strong hooks. Now, the vocals obviously can't be the hook in Cannibal Corpse, so it has to be the guitars, but, you know, there's that great melody that they develop in a couple different ways, you know. Um, uh, the Incomplete is a great song. Uh, Chapel of Ghouls is a great song. They're all super catchy, you know, despite the fact they don't have a lot to work with in terms of vocal melodies, but they find a way to make it work with, uh, you know, the instrumentation and arrangement. They add dynamics, all that other stuff. And most importantly, they keep it really simple. You notice that the thing that all those songs have in common, with the exception of maybe the solo in uh, Chapel of Ghouls, is that they're all pretty simple. 
Now, Max, you wrote the initial response back uh, back on this. What, what What's your take to to that argument that uh, Sergeant's making? I, I'm pretty much on the same page with him. Uh, you know, I think my article got misinterpreted and probably was mistitled uh, because really, what I was am interested in is trying to explain uh, historically why what Sergeant D is talking about is the case. Uh, for me, it, it, it's the main problem or the main difference in people who want to play metal as opposed to people who want to play punk or want to play hardcore or want to play easycore or whatever is that um, people who want to play metal really want to be in a band first and they focus on making themselves the best member of a metal band that they could be. Um, And that's, that's actually a really, a really great insight, which I, I don't think came across uh, in the article, or maybe I just didn't pick up on it, but I I totally agree with you there. It's a lot. A lot of it is, is self selection. Yeah, and you know this is actually uh, uh, my like bird's eye view diagnosis of this problem. Like I think goes beyond music into visual art and to film, and uh, in that I, I think people are this generation and the generation before are a lot less interested in working on themselves. Um, bear with me here for a moment, but, uh, I I feel like when I see a lot of young artists, the emphasis is so much on the work. That's what they're focused on is like creating something as opposed to making themselves the best artist they can be. And then just expressing freely. Um, but you know, at the same time, you know, I was at a show last night. I saw uh, Primitive Weapons and Mutoid Man open for Dillinger Escape Plan. And, you know, it feels like all of a sudden, like, there's two great young new bands opening for this older band. And tonight I'm going to see uh, Ken Mode and Fight Amp, who are also two great young kind of hardcore, uh, weird metal stuff. So there's plenty of great music. Don't get me wrong. I think now is better than the dad rock days uh, in terms of variety. But... Um, I do think this, I do believe in this uh, dichotomy between wanting to be in a band and wanting to be the best musician and best artist that you can be. There's also the misconception that being a good musician means playing flashy shit, which is yeah. really not the case. The, I don't think that people understand, especially a lot of metal people who probably never had exposure to the world of real music. Like, I don't think they understand the level of musicianship that is involved with the people that, I don't know, whoever the basis for Britney Spears is, she plays live, <laughs> I, I don't know. But the, the, the level of musicianship like with those people is so just in another universe compared to anything involved with metal. Those are the kind of people that you can take five of them who have never met each other, never spoken to each other, have them walk into a room and play something. And it will sound tighter than anything any of us could ever hope to do with years of practice. Cause that's how good they are. It's true. And there's a reason why, uh, you know, like famous session drummers like Steve Smith or like Bernard Purdy, uh, you know, there's a reason why they get hired to play on billions of records, but also have played on, you know, really famous songs for Steely Dan or for whoever is uh, the people that get hired for the gigs that you're talking about. They have serious chops, you know, and they're comfortable going into a studio and they're comfortable playing. Um, do they have maybe the same sort of quote unquote artistic vision or I like the way that you call it real music? Um, maybe not, but uh yeah. Um. Well, here's here's what metal here's what metal uh, quote unquote musicians 
Uh, I should say metal players because I barely consider them musicians. Uh, <laughs> what, what metal players think is good musicianship is doing a shitty playthrough, like playthrough of a song on YouTube, where the original song is 75% of what you hear, and their shitty version of it is 25% of it, and then they pretend as though you know that puts them on equal footing with the person in the band. And first of all, I would say um, you didn't actually play that. Um, if you uh, if you really want to impress me, play it doubled to a click, uh, and then we'll compare it to the original, and we'll see if you actually played that first of all. <laughs> so the first thing I would say is I don't think that a lot of quote-unquote metal players, especially fans, even understand what good playing is. Uh, second of all, I would say who cares? Like, Right. You know, like look at the the look at the the pages of I don't know Bass Player magazine or whatever or the Shrapnel Records catalog is full of people who are incredibly talented players and nobody gives a fucking shit about any of their music. Or for example, 99% of people who graduate from Berkeley with a degree in guitar performance or something like that. So, you know, to me, I think there's two problems here is that metal players or metal metal fans think that good playing is the same thing as good music and it's not um and the the second thing is that i don't think they can actually even play as well as they think they can yeah you know um it's really interesting you bring up berkeley too i mean to like even take a step further back um i think a lot of this is rooted in problems in the way that we understand what it is to be a good musician um and that is something that you can kind of trace through uh, the history of uh, music being taught at the high school and university level. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny. I was actually literally, it felt like it was, uh, I was reading a Sergeant D article that Gorguts just posted. Uh, uh, Gorguts is Obscura, the postmodern, postmetal uh, masterpiece of breaking down all the rules of, uh, of, rhythm and harmony and you don't even have to have a melody and all this shit and i'm reading this and i'm going like you know that's all fine and good and like yes that album is phenomenal and yes it does some crazy things but you know philip glass you know broke down the use of melody and uh, cecil taylor cecil taylor for sure and you know herbie hancock you know had bands that this were is not a new idea exactly um and i think uh it's it's funny actually with uh you know, roping in uh, rhombus here now. Um, uh, I think there's a certain genre of like metal sucks commentators, uh, or commenters, uh, who will, as soon as somebody says like modern metal music sucks, they'll go, oh, you don't even listen to Portal or Mitochondrion or like any number of like these bands. And I like Portal, by the way, but um, who kind of jump at like, look at all these bands who are doing these incredibly weird things over here. Um, and to me, it's still, it doesn't address the main problem of, of what we're talking about, about band versus musician and uh, about writing something that you feel rather than writing something that you think will break down, you know, the walls. So here, here's, here's this uh, one fundamental misconception is the idea that like doing something original or different has inherent value, which yes. I don't, I don't agree with that. I think... Uh, any of us could probably 
go uh, home and write something that's like nothing else you've ever heard, but that doesn't mean anybody would want to listen to it. So that would be my first point. The second is that I think the aesthetic boundaries of metal are actually quite narrow compared to pop. I mean, like anything, anything that deviates from what people think of as metal uh, you know, innovates a little bit, people start saying it's not metal. So it kind of by definition forces you into a box that discourages innovation, which I've written about many times before. Um, but uh, so that's the, the first point I would challenge is that I don't think originality has any inherent value um, in, in terms of like, you know, uh, I, I don't think that, that by definition, if it's original, it's good. I, I don't agree with that. And also, if it's weird, it's not like that doesn't make it good either. Like the SST catalog of like the 80s is full of the weirdest, most experimental shit you'll ever hear, and it's all fucking horrible. <laughs> there's a reason nobody there's a reason nobody cares about it because it's terrible. And I think it's awesome that they experimented. Don't get me wrong, and and I totally understand why they would want to do it. But let's be honest, those were. A bunch of swing and a miss, you know. Doesn't there have to be a lot of swing and misses for the other for the other stuff to come through, though? If you didn't have like the yeah, but but the, playing a bunch of fucking half-ass sweet picking is not experimentation. But for somebody else, if if somebody hears that, they go, "I can do that a shitload better," and it's going to uh, I'm going to create something that can blow this away, even if it inspires somebody because it's shitty. Doesn't mean that it doesn't inspire somebody, you know? I mean, because well, I I just I I, I guess uh, I, I forget I don't didn't catch who said it before, but I I think that a lot of these people are misinformed when they think they're doing something experimental. Uh, they're not actually. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. Probably whatever idea that they think that they're bringing to the table for the first time somebody else probably already experimented with that and did it quite a bit better than they could ever hope to um which you know hey fine if if this is your hobby and you want to you know if you want to do it then who am i to tell you not to but don't get up on your high horse and act like you're the first person who experimented with like atonality or you know um or you're the first virtuoso or something like that i mean you know again going back to like Cecil Taylor, Jason Becker, like you're not going to play better than those guys. So if your big idea is playing flashy shit, well, you're not going to beat them. So uh, well, what's the line Rhombus used? Uh, things aren't how they used to be in the '70s, right, dude? <laughs> Damn straight, they're not how they used to be in the '70s. And uh, by the way, this is Emperor Rhombus here. I'm just going to jump in to this conversation. Um, you know, you were, I, you were I, the one I, that were writing about Frank Zappa, right? No, I didn't write shit about Frank Zappa. I actually I wanted to that, take Max. That, that was Max. Task okay, that. sorry. So, so here's the thing. First of all, I just want to put out there that I think uh, the majority of these opinions are kind of horse shit. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like the first, you know, I've been I've been taking notes, and there are a couple of things I want to talk about. Um, first is you know you've been talking about weird is not valuable, and different is not inherently valuable. Um, yeah. And, you know, immediately I remember the first uh, point Max made in his piece, which is that musicians aren't taking risks anymore and they're not improvising anymore. And so it sort of sounds like what you're saying, you know, it, a, a lot of what you're saying sounds like generally it, it's summed up in like, ah! and, uh, you know, <laughs> it sort of sounds like what you're saying there is like, you know, oh, you're ta- trying to take a risk or you're trying something like, oh, man, you know, what, so many people tried that in 2015 is taking you know? a risk. 
Yep, I, I think they're doing their best. That's the thing, man. The we're also talking about, we're also talking about how, man, how bands, like, there's, there's this idea of, like, you know, you got to come out there and, and be fully formed and whatnot. And I think with a lot of young metal bands, you know, they're coming out there and they're growing as a band on stage. You know, part of being a metal band is being on stage, is pumping out music, is creating something. And so I think a lot of these guys are doing that, whether or not it takes time for them to grow as a musician enough that they are able to do that better than other people remains to be seen um you know there's uh, in, in that respect i think there's a lot of things you commented on the the idea that like people aren't working enough on themselves they're they're more worried about the art you know I, I grew up in an era man where your favorite musicians would say the most stupid homophobic racist ignorant things and so suddenly you had to take on this attitude of like well i like the music you know it's i don't have to agree with the artist's politics to like their music you know and so this idea that like they're just focused on the art and not themselves it's like a lot of the time you know you've got to take to task like your favorite musician for what they say or think you've really got to think about is the art more important than the musician are they inseparable i think that becomes an issue um and Rambus, oh. i want to i want to ask you a question okay do Shoot. you think that uh recording um a bunch of sweet pick riffs one or two notes at a time and a bunch of sample replaced drums that uh, have about two percent of the original performance left in them is taking a risk. Here's the thing, man. This leads to my final point, actually, man. Um, number one, my, well, my final point sort of is in two parts. Number one is I think a lot of the time you're like you're boiling down a specific series of examples into this hypothetical modern metalhead, which I think is so often done and is so often wrong. You know. Second of all, so that doesn't the, the things I described so don't happen all the time on a lot of the popular metal records. Well, it's just a ring to Saturn record. Some popular metal records, but that this leads me also to my, my other point, man, which is that this is, a, to me, you guys sound like two dudes who just aren't looking enough, you know? Like, when I noticed bo in both of your pieces, the metal songs that you brought up were of, like, the biggest of that genre. Uh, Max, in his piece, he mentions, you know, the, the he's biggest like, in the genre that sold are, like, 3,500 records. Risks are like Mastodon, Dillinger, Escape Plan, Aaron Turner. So the class of 2008 is is really the last people who are doing metal interestingly like honestly Dill guys Dillinger there are so Man many came out in like 94 i think State, metal sucks post to post and there's shit that comes out today and there are so many different kinds of bands on that post you know i but you know honestly, what they all like, have in common is they're all terrible and boring and listen to <laughs> all day man i'm just saying like I sit here and listen to music all day. I absorb so many different kinds of music. And I agree, there's a lot of shitty metal out there, man. But there's a lot of shitty anything out there. You know, music, there's just more of it around these days. But, but and metal and, and I guess probably fusion uh, are two genres in which the badness comes in a particular flavor, which is fetishizing technique over songs. Again, man, there are a lot of bands that do that, and there are plenty of bands who don't, man. That's the thing is, is you're talking about a very specific, like with with uh, your stuff, you're talking specifically a lot about these sort of, I think of them as like brightly colored tech death bands, you know what I mean? And, you know, that's one slice of metal, even if it's, if it's a slice that's doing very well or whatnot. You know, something I always love is I loved... Tech the, Death is, is the, probably you know, the worst. I love the 90s and 2000s because I think... Crash and Doom are also uh, really in, like creatively bankrupt genres as well. 
Nonsense, man. Almost all of it is, is creatively bankrupt, really. Sure, sure. Well, you know, man, again, like this is I, I, I really do think you're you're talking about something that you don't fully understand, man. Hey, I've only been it's, listening to it for 25 years. What do I know? Apparently not much, man. Apparently <laughs> the thing is you've been listening to it for 25 years, but you're not interested in what's coming out now, man. Why would you're not taking time to learn it's about terrible. the new modern metal bands, you know? And uh, that's it's a sucks. Shame, I, man. I, I, I press play. I give it ten seconds of my attention. It's not. Yeah, it's not that difficult to like get a sense of what's out there right now. You know, it's like you know, Ramos. You were talking about how like I only listed the most popular examples, which I would even take you to town for. Like, it's not like I'm talking about uh, Bullet for My Valentine. But the thing is, I'm I'm talking about the underground shit as well. Like it. I, I think that there's uh, like if your uh, definition yeah. of a big band is Gorguts or Psychroptic, then I would argue that uh, you might need to re-examine your definition of big. Yeah, and, and even like the band, those sorts of bands, like they're thrust in our faces more than ever. You know, um, as soon as you like some band on Facebook, even if they have three thousand likes instead of three hundred thousand, you still get their shit in your feed all the time. Like. Uh, right. You know, Metal Sucks gives as much attention to, like, the new Temple record as it does to BT Bam. You know, like, I don't think any... I actually think the walls of what band gets the most press is are have sort of been broken down, you know? And um, you look at, like, what Finn, what Sergeant D is doing with Creative Live, and, like, those guys are putting people like Kurt Ballou and Joey Sturgis next to Steve Evitz, and, like, there's... I, I sort of feel like these distinctions between big mainstream band and like underground band are, like don't really make sense anymore. It's just as I, I think that makes sense when it comes to what you're listening to, man. In that you're talking about a, a massive genre of music, and then when you're bringing up, you know, the the bands that are doing something interesting or the bands that aren't, immediately you're like skimming off the top. You know, you're well, I, immediately I don't looking at metal fans, what's, I don't what's think recommended to you actually... on Spotify because you listened to I don't know an abiotic song or something <laughs> like that. You know, more well, so, like, man. I also think you're talking about like you know. These are the bands that are thrust into our face every day. Again, man, go look for the other bands. I'm, go look I'm for saying, the other stuff. The other and, and, and finally, I did wanna I did wanna say to Sergeant D's whole thing about you put it on for ten seconds. Like, how can you judge doom metal, a genre of metal where it takes like ten minutes for a song to really grow and become by listening to the first ten seconds? That's just ridiculous and well, kind of childish, I, you know. A pop song catches you in like three seconds. So there you go. Why would I take? Why would I waste ten minutes to get to the hook when I could be there in three seconds on the spot? Spotify teen why, party playlist. Why would you waste three minutes fourteen <laughs> seconds listening to like a hollow soulless pop song, man? That's the See, other this, thing. Thank you, thank oh. you for thank you for proving my point, which is that uh, metal fans don't actually like music; they like metal. And so, if yes. something is labeled as metal, they're going to sort of be inherently biased to say that it's good. They don't listen to anything other than metal. Uh, they don't know about anything other than metal. They don't actually really know anything about music. At, at, from any perspective, their 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 worldview and their view on music in particular is so narrow that yeah, I don't I'm, really I'm even think they know what they're listening that's to. That's nonsense, man. Any metal fan you talk you, to immediately just, has a list of musicians. You just dismissed, other you just than dismissed metal. pop as an entire genre. 
I you know, man, it's the thing is, man, I didn't dismiss pop as an entire genre. I dismiss, say, you've been you mentioned in your piece and you mentioned in this interview, man, uh, Lady Gaga, just hollow Euro dance pop, man. So well, that's Island. an example of a pop artist who She's made from an Long album. Island. I, I understand that, man. But at the same what's time, her sound about, is straight up like opinion? German techno with pop lyrics over it. Again, you're allowed to like a lot of different genres of music. And I think most metalheads do. The, again, I think you're creating this hypothetical, narrow minded metal head who listens to nothing but metal all the time man. i think you are that that narrow-minded metal head i don't think I'm it's not at all, man. This at is, all the thing is, is this is this is <laughs> you're exactly what i'm talking argument. about but spotify actually proved it too is that when metal metalheads listen to metal and that's what they listen to that's on spotify yeah fine i mean you know what do i give a shit what somebody else listens to but uh then they get up on their high horse and youtube and metal sucks comments and insist you know that fucking you know Behold the Octopus or whatever is the pinnacle of music, which is obviously not, not true. If you like it, that's fine. But let's not kid ourselves and 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 say that it you know it represents some sort of like grand artistic you know milestone. Yeah, I'll I'll also say we were talking about this uh, Sergeant D and the the Revive Easy Core group um, about uh, how I mean I'm of the opinion that hardcore is doing the things now that people usually attribute to metal. Um, and I look at like bands like like here, Ramis, I'll list a whole bunch of underground bullshit, uh, like Retox, all of Justin Pearson's stuff, Baptists, uh, like bands like that are doing progressive, interesting things while still writing great songs and, you know, carrying an interesting political message and, you know, not preaching some sort of like death cult, <laughs> you know. Well, if you want to talk about musical sophistication, like listen to like the layers of uh, harmony uh, in like uh, Royals by Lord, they're incredible. Uh, or like the mix in uh, Nicki Minaj Anaconda, like listen to that on headphones. Like that's one of the best mixes I've ever heard in my life. The like super sophisticated use of like panning and effects and stuff like that in that song yeah. like blows my mind. Yeah, like I, I just don't think that metal people because they have these like genre blinders on like i i just i literally don't think they're capable of appreciating anything that doesn't fit within what they think of as metal and as a result they just they it, they're they're just ignorant they literally don't understand how Again, sophisticated other non-existent stereotype if you ask me man the metal people i talk to are some of the most open-minded people out there you know yeah i, I mean they're like really creating this uh, this hypothetical they, they sort they of metal nerd. toxic holocaust to municipal waste <laughs> yeah but if you listen to that mix in headphones too dude it's amazing <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I can't comment specifically. I mean, I'm obviously I'm familiar with either of those bands, with both of those bands. My sense is that they that my sense is that they probably actually play their own stuff, especially because Dave Woody's involved and he's an incredible drummer. But you know, for anybody that knows, uh, you know that that has the inside baseball on how a lot of those records are made, you know that quite frequently a lot of the people in metal bands don't actually play on the records that they claim to play on. And you know, this is, this is something else that's a really good together. point, man. As opposed to somebody like Josh Fries, you know, who is, you know, I would say probably like, you know, one of the top session drummers. The reason you call Josh Fries is not because he's, you know, the most flashy drummer in the world, although he has some chops. The reason you call Josh Fries is because you know that he's going to come in and for whatever his day rate is, he's going to bang out everything you need from him in one or two takes and you're not going to need to edit him. You're going to be done with it. Well, this is this is also something interesting, man, which is that, uh, you know, I feel like uh, both of these opinions 
that I disagree with come from an incredibly like like gear and recording based background. And I'm somebody who, man, I, you know, I really, as I mentioned in my piece responding to Max, I don't know shit about shit about gear and mastering. The news and is that I do. Like I, I, I can feel that. I, I, I understand that, but knowledge. here's the thing. Here's the thing is at the same time, I, I feel like a lot of the argument when it comes to like a lot of the arguments in, in Max's piece were about this lack of passion and a lack of soul. And like when you're breaking everything down to like the mix and whatnot to me, that immediately separates me from the musical experience. You know, as somebody who listens to this with no technical knowledge, I really are talking about how the music affects me. We are. Let me explain why you're wrong. It's because when you listen to a good mix, you're you're you you don't know enough, which is fine. You don't know enough to necessarily hear all the things that are happening that that make you feel like it's a great song and then enhance the dynamics and the arrangement. And that's why it's a good mix because those things are happening so subtly that you, as a layperson, don't perceive them. I'm deep enough in that world that I can hear it. Um, but my point is that. Uh, those things simply don't happen in metal. I mean, there's a few exceptions. There are some great production things happening in metal, but not a lot of them. Actually, the, the, I was going to say a great example is like that Gorguts record is a pretty phenomenally produced album. And Colin Marston, Behold the Octopus is like the uh, whipping post, but like he's a phenomenal engineer. Um, and by but, the way, with Behold the Octopus, I actually totally get what they're doing. And I, 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 I want to... I want to kind of apologize for picking on them because <laughs> I, I get what they're doing and I actually think it's cool. Like it's super experimental and the particular video that I chose of them, you know, playing it without the rest of the band just sounds and looks so stupid, but yeah. uh, you know, I, it's kind of unfair for me to take that out of context. So well, actually, if any I, of them happen yeah. to be listening, you know, please, please take that, you know, in stride. I, I actually think it's cool what they're doing. Yeah, they're actually a really good example because they they do what musically what uh, Sergeant you and I are talking about all these shitty bands doing, but without the attitude. Um, yeah, exactly. And I actually um, I do know Colin. He's a friend, and you know when we talk about that band, he's like he knows how ridiculous their music is. That's the know? whole point. And yeah, yeah, exactly. It's an exercise, and for him, you know, he is probably I would hold him up as like one of the great modern metal musicians you know and you look at all the bands he's doing dysrhythmia is phenomenal you know gorguts obviously is great kralis like somebody who's doing stuff all over the map you know and it isn't it's not like he has this crazy band uh behold the octopus that's like doing weird and out there stuff and is inherently great like he knows how ridiculous that band is and that's the exercise that's the point of it well, exactly and, and so, I, so I does it make, does i appreciate it anyone better has if someone's like, aware of its flaws like does it does it immediately improve a band's music or song if someone is like ironically aware that it's like you know ridiculous that if it lacks attitude you know it's not, I mean, not irony it's it's a, a specific aesthetic point of view they set out with this objective of doing x and along the way Maybe they, you know, maybe they made a couple missteps, which of course we all do when we're trying to do something artistic. But I appreciate anything that has like a really hyper-specific point of view. For example, like Archspire, I think is awesome. Like I wouldn't necessarily listen to them all the time, but like what they set out to do is create the most like absurdly like explosive, hyper-fake version of like, you know, I guess like tech death or whatever that they possibly could and they did it like they, yeah. they did it better than probably any band since like origin who again i 
would never listen to, but like I I appreciate what they're doing from like a theoretical perspective, which is that they have this very specific point of view and they execute it against it flawlessly. And it's cool when one person does that, but then you don't need a fucking hundred other bands doing that too and claiming that it's innovative. Yeah, but right. at the same time, but at the same time, that's like the story of the 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 story of how this goes. I mean, not, we've said it a thousand times, and like ninety nine percent of what's out there sucks, and there's. 1% that's really good. I mean, because you mentioned, I think, Devin Townsend in in, uh, in your piece, and, that, and that's one of those guys that I think is doing exactly what you're talking about, expanding the boundaries, pushing it as far as he can go, and also knows how to write a badass pop song. So... Yeah, you know there, yeah. and that's a one percenter. You know, I mean, that's like there's there's so very few of those people that can that can pull that off. There's just not that many of those people. Yeah, exactly. yeah. No one, let's let's make it clear. No one here is anti Devin Townsend. No, no, okay. hell no. <laughs> like like Devin Townsend is truly. But, but you know what? You know what? His non metal stuff is better than his metal stuff. The Casualties of Cool Record is, like, so much better. I, I love it all. I like all yeah. of it. I mean, I love the Ziltoid I, stuff, too, because it's so tongue-in-cheek. It's, it's all, and, it's, and, it's, and its production quality is, is thorough and amazing. It's all great, but, you know, look, he, here's another example of a guy who went and uh, experimented and took a risk and did a fucking country album. And, you know, with all of his experience at playing in bands and, you know, playing hey, as man. a side man, playing as a lead man, you know. Um, Ween did that shit before, though. You know, Ween did that way before. You know, whatever, man. You know, so it's been done. It's not even for me. It's not even about like who did this before so much as do I like the person who's doing it now? And liking the person doesn't have anything to do. It could have to do with whether they're like you were saying, rhombus, like a racist, raging lunatic, or I might not care about that. I don't know. Um, What I care about is is whether what they're doing is great and whether I, when I listen to it, I get the feeling that it's coming from a place of, uh, of excitement and of curiosity. And let's get get back to the original point, which is like, it sounds like what you're saying then, man, is that, that musicians need to become seasoned, learned musicians. They try and put anything out, man. The problem problem is that they want to be that. Uh, what I think people need to do is want to be who they are. And that's, and that's not a problem that's reserved for metal. I think that is, one of the challenges facing our entire generation is that people don't know what to care about anymore. And, um, and the thing I, is, man, I, that, I, that I just totally sounds agree. like it's yeah, happening but, forever though, man. That sounds like something that like, you but, know, but I think a guy a like a guy right. like Dimebag so was trying to be Van Halen until he became Dimebag, you know, like these guys have I mean, always tried to be something they're not until they became their se- themselves. And a lot of the times, for a lot of musicians, that's what it's all about, is trying really hard to be what you love until that moment where you realize who you are within a genre. Well, I, you know? well Pantera's actually, I'm glad that you brought them up because they're a great example of, I think it's a bit loaded, that argument, because we are looking back on Pantera and saying they arrived when they made Cowboys from Hell. But... If you were going to go up to Pantera when they were making those glam metal records and said, this is not true, you're full of shit, they would tell you, you would be wrong. You know, they felt that and they wanted to do that at that point in time. Once they, you know, got tattoos and went to the gym and like heard order, like started writing <laughs> operas and shit like that's when we all said now they've arrived. I actually I, you know. I think when somebody makes art, they do make it from a real place. I'm not saying that everybody doesn't care about everything, but I'm saying that 
it's it's tough now and there's things that don't have to do with music that have made people the way that they are you know well and uh, but the, the tough thing for me though is when i hear like the the lady gaga argument is is that that's a person who is who is well versed in music knows how to write uh, knows how to write music Absolutely. but chose exactly what kind of person she wanted to be created the character and followed up with it and wrote the songs that that fit who she wanted to become. So instead, like municipal waste. Yeah, well, exactly. And I mean, and that's the thing is like we know what we want to do. Here's the here's the, this is what this is going to be. We got the logo. We got the this. We got the that. Yeah. And they decided what it was going to be instead of working their way toward it. That it, that's a whole different construct than than becoming a musician and learning your chops as you go along. So here, let me. I want to get back to kind of my original point here, which is that uh, I, I totally agree with what everyone's saying as far as you know that a natural part of evolution as a musician is you know kind of experimenting with some different things that may or may not work and blah blah blah. That's totally get that. My my point is that in metal, the 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 vision is almost never. Man, I want to be like an awesome songwriter. I want to write songs that like move people. It's like I want to I want to fucking sweep faster than everyone else. I want to like make YouTube videos where I blast faster than everybody else. It's like the 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 vision like this the, there's a value on like a, a apparent virtuosity in metal that to me like really gets in the way of making good music because that kind of stuff is almost rarely a part of good music. Well, Chris Except Adler what? mentioned it this week in our interview about how, you know, when, when Lamb of God started, he was trying to fit as many notes as he possibly could into exactly. everything. It's just, let's fire as fast as we can on all cylinders and see what happens. Exactly. And since then, you know, they've gotten to the point where he doesn't want to impede on the song, whatever, whatever it is. He's trying to, to play instead of pack it in. And that may be part of what you were talking about as far as youth, and exactly. what, we're, what we're trying to do because we don't know any better. I'm gonna I'm gonna come ten times in a day. Why? Because I can. You know. So but do people in do people in hip hop do that? I mean, there's a, a specific subgenre of like battle rappers who say, "Let me see how many syllables I can fit into a, a verse." Yeah. But outside of that, does that really happen in hip hop? Not really. Does that happen? Twista who just like spits nonstop. That's, you that's know? exactly what it said. There's a specific like very small subgenre especially battle rappers who do that but that is and, and there's a specific is, is small a genre of technical metal that does but, that. I, but i don't think it's a small part of metal i think that's a really big part of metal yeah i think i mean yeah. how, like people are constantly fixated on playing ability in a way that is just not true of other genres well but yeah. that's also why you have metal musicians that advertise every instrument out there because it, absolutely because that's what it's that's kind of what the genre is about isn't it yeah if you go to a guitar center i would say probably I don't know, uh, outside of like the pro audio department, probably 40 to 60% of the, of the SKUs there are for metal musicians. Like at this point, you know, PV and Mesa and ESP and Jackson and Schechter and Ibanez and all these other big brands are essentially metal brands now for that exact reason because they've realized, well, these bands may not sell a ton of records or may not get a lot of radio play, but they sell a lot of fucking guitars. So we're going to align ourselves with this genre. Because it has that value on, mm -hmm. you know, playing ability. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like I see what you're talking about, uh, Sergeant D, across a lot of different mini subgenres of metal. Like not just the sort of struggle gent, like, but also uh, 
you know, with, with, with young black metal bands and with young shoegaze black metal bands and with young, like I go to a lot of shows and I see guys and there's, there's this proof jacking off over pedal boards. And yeah, I mean, like (laughs) that's, that's their version of the, of the posse thing, you know? Um, but is anybody asking, is this a good song? No. And, and, you know, the whole audience is asking that. (laughs) Yeah. And well, well, they're, they're all, but they're convincing themselves that it's good because it fits all the, it checks all the right image boxes. And so they convince themselves that it's a good song when it's not. Yeah. But but again, man, you're just it's it's like if we talk about the assholes of any community and the idiots of any community, of course they're going to be assholes and idiots. You know, I think there are plenty of people out there who yeah go see a, a live band and are more obsessed with making their you know holding up their fingers next to the guitarists than they are in hearing a good song. How many people do that at a Miley Cyrus show? But again, man, the thing and about how that, many people do that at a Slayer show. I, plenty of people do that at a and how many do it at a Miley Cyrus show? Zero. That's apples and oranges, man. Again, exactly. That's my point. Your but but your point seems to be that like you know the problem is, is that like there are that metal, that metal fans and musicians fetishize technique and undervalue songwriting. That is my point. Uh, but again, you're 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 describing all metal fans as opposed to a selection of metal fans. Which Obviously, it's not true of a hundred percent of them. I'm speaking in and broad, and more in so when terms. you're talking about Miley Cyrus or something like that, man. I'm sure there are plenty of people doing the Miley Cyrus Cyrus equivalent to that at a Miley Cyrus show. To the you know, really catchy vocals, you're singing along those lines. Like, there's always going to be assholes and idiots in any community, you know. But the assholes and idiots in metal fetishize sweet picking and blast beats. Because that's what that's that's what works. Yes, exactly. I, uh, I'm just going to go hump a beach ball. Uh, that's all I know. That's how. That's my tribute to Miley Cyrus. <laughs> I see how it could be even remotely controversial to suggest that metal as a whole places a really high value on gear and, and virtuosity and and technique. Like, how could this, in a way that is not true of any other genre, like how could this possibly be even a slightly controversial idea? Like, I don't understand. Like, anybody that is challenging that idea is, uh, like, kidding themselves or just, like, suffering from severe head trauma. I, just, I don't understand how this could be even slightly challenging. Right. And also, it doesn't, you know, all of this is not to say that, like, all of these bands are terrible. Like, or that I wouldn't, for a night, enjoy watching X, like, black metal band play a set, you know. But I think what... What? No, I mean, and you know, I, look, I, I, I grew up on metal, so I get it. Yeah. Like, I, I spent an hour watching Alex Rudinger videos on YouTube the other day because he's a fucking machine. Yeah, like I get it, I get the appeal, but you know, I, I don't think it, I don't think that that emphasis is conducive to writing great songs. Yeah, and I, I think, I think we're both interested ultimately in the same thing, which is great music. Period. Um, and I mean, I think that's what we're all metal in. or not. Well, yeah. You know, that's because that's the thing. Like, I guess something I keep coming back to is this idea of like, I do agree wholeheartedly that really, you know, it don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing, man. Exactly. Like, if a song doesn't like attach itself to you and and really catch you in a certain way, then like it's it's not worth listening to. Again, for all the records I listen to on a daily basis, I definitely cast off like as we've said uh, a large portion of them. Um, I guess it's just this feeling that the the opinion that most modern metal sucks really feels like I don't know. It just feels like an outdated opinion. It feels like an old opinion, and it feels like an opinion. 
Uh, I don't think that's an opinion that anybody on this call is representing, by the way. I mean, you know, it's it's sort of the opinion I was I was arguing against in my piece uh, against Max. I think it's a stra- I think it's a straw man. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you need to maybe reread what we were writing about because um, I don't. I, like, metal has always basically been at a general level of like there's some great bands and then there's a lot of shitty bands. I all I'm interested in is trying to figure out why right now we have like a particular brew of poopiness i I guess again man in that respect first of all i think there's just there's more poop to go around you know man there's just a whole lot more music out there yeah yeah. more people making music which i think is a good thing because i support people making music even if it sucks i think that's cool like people should do that if they want to but you know let's not pretend that just just because it's underground metal that it's good Yes, I I guess I guess then what comes to mind, man, is, you know, a lot of the like like I I mentioned at one point, like, Max, you you wrote that, like, there's this fetishization on youth and virtuosity. And you sort of use the example of, like, watch this little girl play Slayer on the guitar or something like that. Um, And and, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is that, like, I I feel like that's that's sort of an, an understood point, like like. You know, it's like, yeah, that 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 is an aspect of metal, but it, it's an aspect of the whole world, and it's an aspect of the whole world that, like, I but sort of you, feel like it needs to be recognized and gotten over. You know, like, do you, do you know what people Like, do you know what people and, in pop fetishize? They fet like the people who actually write pop songs. They fetishize great songwriting because I know those dude, people. Dude, dude, come on! Well, well, they, they fetishize youth. And I mean, you know, a person like Ariana Grande is not huge. I'm talking about the people who write the songs. Which are not uh, the performers. Okay, those, again, are the real, those are the real artists, and those are the exactly. people who, who who have stick around for many, many, many years. Yeah, but you those know, pop right. songs, but those pop songs would not ha- have anything if they didn't have that youth and didn't have that stuff going Thank for you. it as well. If you're talking about the people that write those songs, that crotchety, that crotchety sixty-year-old dude that's sitting in Nashville that writes a badass country song or writes a badass pop song, and if he were to put it out, well, it's not going to go I know anywhere. Are like twenty-two and live in L.A., but you know. <laughs> well, I mean, I know, but I'm, I'm I'm in Texas, so <laughs> I know a lot of crotchety <laughs> yeah. country dudes. So yeah, I, I mean, I think I think all we're talking about is is giving the composers artistic credit as yeah. opposed to yeah. saying Miley Cyrus is not the only artist involved. That's not a bad thing. You know, the example I want to bring up is Taylor Swift, who um, I think writes phenomenal songs, uh, has a phenomenal vision and knows how to execute it and uh, has a great business mind. And mm-hmm. even if she didn't write, you know, the beats to everything, it doesn't really fucking matter because she still had an active role in that creative She's process. She's visionary. Yeah. Exactly. Another great example, like to bring out from the pop world, is uh, is Lil John. Like, snap your fingers. That song has like four notes in it, and if you put that on at any wedding for the next thirty years, every fucking girl there will go nuts over those four notes. Mm-hmm. It has four notes and like <laughs> three words. Yeah, and if you want to, if want to clear out the room, we can just uh, throw on some Slayer and everybody will leave. All right. I, I mean, it's Slayer's, and Slayer's on the better side. Like, I know. Slayer I know. has has some good songs. You know, like yeah. put on the nine million like derivative like bands from 2013 that are still trying to copy fucking Rain and Blood, and are never ever ever going to come anywhere close for many reasons. You know, and that's that's going to be the real room clearer. Yeah. Let alone the just absolute bottom of the barrel shit like black metal shoegaze, which is like 
hey man, you know, I love wolves in the like, throne room. Okay, so don't so a, a, a shit sandwich drizzled with diarrhea sauce. <laughs> Is that a Dr. Seuss reference? Wait, I don't, I don't know. All right, we gotta wrap. We gotta wrap this up. We are going way too long on this, man. I, we could talk about this for like hours and hours and hours. Honestly, I've got more things to yell about. Guys. I know this. This is important. <laughs> okay, one more yell. The final arguments go. Fuck all y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Metal sucks. My final argument is that I think this is an awesome discussion to have, and uh, I wish people talked about music in the metal community more often instead of uh, gossip and nonsense. Indeed. Sergeant D, Max Frank, Amber Rhombus, thank you. Dude, I was very sad that you were not on that discussion, at least to, to have your ears to the ground in the middle of that thing, because because, um, yeah, that was that was fun. I think uh, in, in the, <laughs> this guy, Rhombus, Rhombus took on your uh, on your persona in that one. <laughs> well, that's so great. I just can't wait to do something like that again, because that would be that would that was a blast. Absolutely. And, and, and a really good, uh, a really fun topic to talk about we didn't even just scratch the surface with like however long that was. I mean. They, we could have kept going. I, I had to stop them at some point because we just we we could not. We we'd have to put it into like five shows. It's a, it's a, it, that's part of what makes this podcast as a listener really fun because I you know I'll, I'll put this on like you know I, in last week's I listened to last week's episode twice because I just had so much fun. But what's so great about it is that you know it's it it's a conversation. Like I'm having a conversation with me and you, <laughs> right? <laughs> Sometimes when I'm listening, and it's like ah, uh, you know, just I, I'm when that when that clicks, it really really clicks well. So that's awesome. So yeah, no, it's good stuff, man. And so uh, yeah, make sure you're a subscriber and you can uh, listen to this conversation every week if you subscribe on iTunes. Uh, just search Metal Slicks Podcast. You will find it. You can leave us a couple of stars. Tell us what we suck. You can also find us every Monday at MetalSucks.net uh, and also on Stitcher and the other podcasting apps. So make sure you do that. You can find us on the social media. I am at Bearded Ape on Twitter. I- I am at Godless Speaks and GodlessSpeaks.com. And Spotify and everything else, right? You're, you're all over oh, the place. Yeah. Uh, yeah, all the links are at the bottom of that website. I just isolate myself to Twitter these days, and I still suck at Twitter. I'm trying. Uh-huh. I'm trying to get better. You know, I give all sorts of like really cool like uh, you know uh, heads up and stuff like that of what's going on on the show on my Facebook page. So oh, do you? Yeah, mm-hmm. See, I don't do any of that stuff. Maybe yeah, I should do I more. Pull back the curtain a little. Maybe I should do more of that stuff. <laughs> hmm. yeah, no, it's social media. I'm terrible at it. I'm, I am. I'm terrible at it. I've got like three podcasts that I do, and I'm still <laughs> like, son of a bitch. Maybe someday I'll learn how to promote this shit. All right. Until uh, next week, I'm Chuck. I'm Godless. And uh, this is another edition of the Metal Sucks Podcast. <laughs>